If you have anxiety about the situation at the Great Salt Lake, you are not alone. All this conversation about the valley becoming a toxic dust bowl if the lake dries up any further. And then I woke up yesterday morning and the air was dusty on the west side and I was like, oh my God, is this dust the toxic dust? So today on CityCast Salt Lake, atmospheric scientist Logan Mitchell is here to answer that question and many others about the dust in our skies and the future of our lungs. It's Thursday, June 9th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Logan, welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I have a lot of questions for you about dust because it's just been a dusty spring here in Salt Lake. The thing I'm trying to figure out is like, what dust is this dust? And we're constantly, I think, told that the dust we should be afraid of is the dust that's at the bottom of the drying Great Salt Lake. Um, is that is that what's in the air right now? Um it just really depends on which way the winds are blowing. Mm. And sometimes we do get it dust from the Great Salt Lake. Mm. Okay. Most of the dust that we get here is from drying lake beds around, you know, and all of these drying lake beds, you know, this used to be Lake Bonneville. All of this used to be covered in water. Yeah. And over the last 15,000 years that has dried out. And now we're in a, a mega drought um, that's been going on for the last 20 years, mm-hmm. kind of in the Southwest. Mm-hmm. U.S. So that is really putting a a big stress on all of the lakes around. Yeah. A lot of them are drying out. Yeah. I mean, this mega drought, like 20 years, that's there are generations of people that for their time living in the Southwest have only known this kind of drought. But this region hasn't only known this kind of drought, right? Yeah. The current drought that we're in is the worst drought in the last 1200 years. Mm. Um, it's it's really bad and it's it's putting a stress on the ecosystem that we live in. Yeah. The drought would be really only half as severe as it is if it wasn't for climate change. Hmm. Um, what do you mean by so that? So you layer climate. Yeah. When you get uh, warmer temperatures, that just increases the amount of evaporation potential of the atmosphere. And so it just really makes a drought a lot more severe. The strength of it is more severe. Hmm. So that causes this this pressure and imbalance in our in our water uh, budgets, mm. and it makes these drought conditions much much worse. Yeah, yeah. There there have been interruptions and or impacts on human settlements in the Southwest caused by droughts ever since humans have been right. here, and so we have a lot more capacity to adapt now. Mm. And you know, it's really I'm cautiously optimistic that. Folks in the legislature are finally starting to understand the scale of this and, you know, the the urgent need for adaptation. And, you know, there's a lot of groups that are working mm-hmm. on on this issue, mm-hmm. how to better manage our water resources yeah. so that we don't dry the lake beds out and yeah. create more dust. One of the conversations around the drying Great Salt Lake has been the potential that Salt Lake Valley becomes a toxic dust bowl. That is the term. And it's terrifying and apocalyptic as it should be. Um, How will we know when, you know, when I look out my window and I look down the valley and I see dust in the air, 
how will we know when that dust is toxic? Or is it already a, a little bit toxic? It's just not arsenic. Yeah. I don't know that we're going to really know that until it happens. Hmm. Um, there are a bunch of researchers who are looking at the dust composition and we're already seeing some anthropogenic chemicals uh, and, and constituents in the dust. Hmm. A lot of those are from urban sources, though, huh. not necessarily from the drying lake beds. And so it's a combination of all of these things. And the Great Salt Lake is a terminal lake, obviously. Mm -hmm. And as the water recedes, you know, we are going to there. There's a lot of industrial pollution that has gone into the Great Salt Lake over a century of settlement, human settlement in this region. Mm -hmm. And so the risk is that those will someday be aerosolized and get deposited across the city. We'll breathe it in. It'll go in our gardens, yeah. in our lawns, yeah. all of those things. What do you mean when you say the Great Salt Lake is a terminal lake? So it means that there's water going into that basin, oh, okay. but there's no streams coming out and hmm. that water never makes it to the ocean. So any pollution that has gone into the lake has stayed there. And so all of the industrial development in in kind of our region, mm -hmm. um, if there's anything that got into the groundwater or got washed into the Great Salt Lake, it is still there. Huh. Okay. Okay. I see. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm just sort of reflecting on how kind of gross and frightening that is. I was getting my haircut the other day and talking with the hairdresser about dust storms. You know, that's the kind of stuff that people talk about. And right. she said to me, well, you know, my sister told me that when we get these alerts that there's going to be a dust storm, what we should do is just dump water on our lawn. Like if there's dirt in your lawn or your plants or your mulch or your sod, just like dump water on everything so that it doesn't get lifted into the air during the dust storm. And I was like, what? <laughs> that sounds sort of mythological. And also I was like, we have no water, like to get back to the drought, like all roads lead to the drought. Is, is, I mean, like, how do you feel about that being information that's circulating? <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think that that would be the best plan of action. Okay. <laughs> the, the places, the, the kinds of dust sources that I'd be concerned about, like the gravel pits, you hmm. know, places where there's a lot of dust from a neighborhood and your lawn, you're probably not going to see very much dust, if any at right. all, be contributing. And if you put water on your property, it's probably not going to be the most efficient use of that water. Yeah. I feel like that's such a, such a minor component mm -hmm. of it. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th. And this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court. And this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. Yeah. So what should people do when 
it's dusty out. Like, should we be masking up? Yeah, masking up is is a really effective way to address the dust. Uh, I I play ultimate frisbee mm-hmm. with the county. They just have like an adult frisbee fun. league, and it's a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, and I'm watching this dust storm roll yeah. in. I'm like, I'm not gonna go run around outside yeah. and breathe all this stuff in. Yeah. You know, unfortunately, I didn't wasn't able to play frisbee that day. Mm-hmm. Um, but making those kinds of decisions um, are really important. It's also really important for schools to be paying very close attention when there are, are these conditions. Mm-hmm. One of my colleagues, Daniel Mendoza, at the University of Utah, he has been working with Salt Lake City school districts to give them more frequently updated data. Mm-hmm. And so you can see, you know, real-time data and, and make decisions about kids on recess. And if, if recess happens right at the time when there's a dust storm, you have a bunch of kids running around outside right. exposed to really bad dust. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when there's a dust storm, I stay inside, turn on my air filter yeah. and watch a movie or something. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of plants in my house, which probably won't surprise anyone. But whenever I have friends visit from out of town, they're like, man, you really have a lot of plants in here. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, they're my air quality regulators. <laughs> and that also yeah. might be like a silly thing, but it gives me a personal sense of ease knowing that they're all producing oxygen in my house. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, If I look outside and I see that things seem dusty, will checking the air quality on like my iPhone app, will that give me a dust indicator or is there a different place we could be, we should be looking for information on dust storms specifically? So that's a little bit of a tricky thing because a lot of the common apps that we look at for air quality indicators Mm -hmm. report data about PM 2.5. Okay. PM 2.5 means it is particulate matter that's smaller than 2.5 microns. Okay. That's really small, really fine particles. Mm -hmm. We get a lot of PM25 during our wintertime inversions, mm-hmm. and that is from chemistry that happens and also a lot of combustion byproducts, things like that. Okay. Dust storms, conversely, are often larger particles. And so if you can find a data source that shows you PM10, okay. which are particles smaller than 10 microns, mm-hmm. that'll give you a better indicator about the level of dust in the air. Hmm. But there's very few apps that show you PM10 on their screen or data source. Hmm. And so it's a little bit harder to access that information, but PM10 would be the thing that you'd really want to look at. Because the molecules are just bigger. The dust molecules are bigger. Yeah. Okay. Yep. The dust, pieces of dust are just bigger. So where do we go? I mean, am I just Googling Salt Lake City PM10 if it seems dusty out? DAQ has some PM10 monitors. Okay. Is that the Um, Department of Air Quality? It's the division of division air quality. Division of air quality. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. PM10, when it's really bad, you can see it outside. Mm-hmm. What I'll often do is I'll look at the PM2.5 data. Mm-hmm. If it shows green, I'd look outside and say, no, that's not the case. Yeah. <laughs> There's something in there. And hmm. I just know. But we don't have a great network of PM10 monitors. Hmm. It's certainly irritable. Like, yeah. If you've been outside in a dust storm, you're like rubbing your eyes. Yeah, and it sucks. It's all stuck in your nose. And yeah. 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 Okay. Do you think that Salt Lake's dust storms are going to get better or worse before they get better? Like, should we all just be become kind of dust warriors and have a plan for dusty days? That is a good question. You know, especially in the springtime, it could become a major issue. Hmm. As the Great Salt Lake level goes down, if it continues to get even lower, mm-hmm. 
this could be a major issue for the whole Wasatch Front. Mm. And I don't have a good sense about how bad it's going to get. And a lot of it will depend on our ability to adapt mm. in a changing climate and you know address the water usage. Hopefully as a society, transitioning to clean energy technologies that, that aren't making the, the climate uh, system even warmer. Yeah. And that's all going to play out over the next couple of decades. Mm -hmm. And we really need smart policymakers and interested folks in the public listening to podcasts about, <laughs> about this issue and talking to policymakers and saying, hey, we need solutions. This is a very serious issue. And, mm -hmm. you know, we need to be talking to people who are focused on solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Logan, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. I learned a lot about dust. I feel really informed. Well, thank you for having me. One more thing before we go. You might have seen the New York Times piece circulating about the urgency of the shrinking Great Salt Lake. It's a great read. It's also an opportunity for me to shout out the local outlets in our city that have been reporting on the crisis at the lake for a while now. There has been some truly fantastic work. Nearly every outlet in this valley, including us, has formed a coalition to report on the crisis and the people working to solve it. It's called the Great Salt Lake Collaborative. And if you go to greatsaltlakenews.org, you can find a compilation of stories to get you up to speed, not just on the problem, but on the solutions. I'm not saying reading local news will necessarily make you feel better or less panicked, but it will make you feel more connected. And in some ways, I think that is better because the best entry point for action on this issue is the local conversations happening around our lake every day. For example, just two weeks ago, Salt Lake City Utilities proposed diverting our treated wastewater into the Great Salt Lake. And while we should be pretty worried about our water supply, the utilities department said Salt Lakers have done a good job conserving lately, so they'd feel comfortable donating our recycled water to the lake. I'm asking you to share greatsaltlakenews.org as much as you may have shared that New York Times article. To become a KUER sustainer at $5 a month, or subscribe to the Salt Lake Tribune at $8 a month, or both, and to rate and review this podcast. I promise it goes a long way. Thank you. That's all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around this city. Bye. Bye.